Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. Hope you're all having a beautiful morning. I am here with my two lovely ladies, the Sharp Edge and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you guys doing? Feeling refreshed after a weekend <laughs> up north, and I got to see a lot of, you know, Trump supporters carrying their Trump flags, waving their Trump flags and their red, white, and blue. It was beautiful. That's so awesome. It's yep. good to see people getting out. Yeah, well, you've got a lot of the country that are still living in fear of what we've seen with a lot of videos lately with the masks. and. Yeah, it drives me nuts that everyone makes that stuff go viral, though. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's interesting to me how that's become a left versus right thing, wearing a mask and not wearing a mask. It's a very interesting psychology thing going on there. Yeah, it is. It is. Tool, so. But, like, well, look at Biden, perfect example. See his Twitter profile page? Yes. <laughs> got, his, got his mask on. Yeah. Oh, With his dark sunglasses. He needs to fire his PR team. <laughs> yeah, he does. Well, oh, uh, we, we had those uh, you ain't black comments from him this week as well. The, the, the internalized racism of that man just shows so much. And they're not jokes. You just, you know, it's actually how he feels. Just so many yeah. people don't say it. So tell everyone what we're going to be covering. Uh, we got right, a we're, lot we're going to be going into. Yeah, we're going to, a lot of random things that we're going to rattle off. Um, that Grinnell declassification of Russia probe, uh, mail-in ballots, voter fraud, Twitter censorship of Trump tweets, um, the Hong Kong protests and China crackdown. Uh, what else we got, ladies? Oh, we got your article, Corey? Well, I have several articles and reports that I just want to kind of gloss over a little bit just to give people an idea of... I, I've been very busy these past few weeks, very busy. <laughs> you're, always, <laughs> you're always busy. And we'll talk about some of these uh, racial tension things that are going on at the moment with the George Floyd thing uh, yesterday um, and uh, uh, Jaden Hayden thing uh, a few days prior to that so they're on both different sides of the scale but i think they need to be talked about because um the terrible terrible things both both of them well i'll i'll roll into this thing from yesterday uh because this is the biggest news at the moment uh george floyd who was a man that was arrested by police for uh writing bad checks he got called and he was killed there's video of it going around everywhere. Um, it just happens to be a white cop and a black man. Of course, that spurred things all over uh, the U.S. You had riots in Minneapolis, um, Chicago as well. And this is this is horrible to watch because I'm 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 all all backing uh, police. I, I I love what they do, but there is bad cops. It's like anything. There's bad people. Now, if anyone's watched that video, there is no defending them. This is murder. This is a complete yeah. execution of this man. And it was horrible to watch. Um, it, it, it's terrible to watch because he, he's sitting there saying that he can't breathe for minutes on end until... And there was another cop there with him who was an Asian cop. So I, we don't know how much this has to do with race, but, of course, everyone's going to make it about race now, and they have. Yeah. Um which is when you're in such a sensitive political climate in the U.S. as it is now, everyone's looking for something to raise bad about, especially the left. Um, when I saw this, politics was the last thing on my mind. It was, you can call it, something like this should not be political. It should just be what it is. And those cops were in the wrong, that cop, murdered that guy i mean i've i i trained uh classical martial arts when i was younger i trained uh muay thai in thailand for a year i've trained at mma it's these sort of things when you've got a knee to the neck um yeah just so people know he was he was pinned face down on the pavement with his arms behind his back and the the officer had his knee pressed in on the side of his neck when he kept saying he couldn't breathe. So just so people understand that. 
Yeah, um, and, and anyone that's trained in that, and obviously law enforcement is going to get this training too. I mean, when, when you've got someone in a choke, in, in any way, shape or form, where it's a re-angle choke or anything like that, um, you're never going to hold it for more than 30 seconds because after that it starts becoming life-threatening. Referees know it, even in training, you know it. This guy had his knee on the back of this guy's neck, pushing down, cutting off his airwaves for 10 minutes. That's oh, a death sentence. I know. It's, it's terrible, absolutely terrible what happened to George Floyd. And even for those of us on the right who have kind of seen through this, this political agenda that has driven a lot of the race baiting and the division and the hatred for cops, when we look at that video, there is no justification for the way that man was treated. That was totally illegal, that kind of hold that that officer had on him. He knew better, like you said, his training would have uh, taught him that there's no justification for it. And this shouldn't be a political issue. Um, but this climate that we're in, it's such, such a hostile political climate that we're in right now where we have, you know, politicians stoking racial division. Like, you know, you would just mention Joe Biden the, uh, you know, the other day right. um, saying you ain't black unless you vote this way or that. We have such a political uh, politicalization of racial issues. And then also on top of that, we have a lot of um anger towards police, especially lately, who have been forced to enforce these unconstitutional stay-at-home orders. And we have, you know, in, especially in like liberal cities like Baltimore or Minneapolis or New York, where they don't get a lot of support from their local govern governments. And there's just this huge divide. The police just really, you know, it's a thankless job and a lot of them are under so much stress from all of the hostility. Right. There's no, there's no justification uh, for this. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's like a perfect storm scenario for these types of events to occur. And now we have criminal activity, riots, looting, vandalism, and not just Minneapolis, but in LA and in other areas as a result of the murder of George Floyd. And it just sets us back so far, doesn't it? I, it does. I would argue, though, that it's not forced. That, yes, the police officers are being instructed to enforce new rules that they're setting. But when it comes down to it, just as when it comes down to it for us in following the rules we're being instructed to do, uh, when I hear forced, I think of literal, I mean, to make some force someone to do something that like, that would be physical force, you know, you can't, it's that or it's blackmail um, as far as force goes. So they do have choices. I'm not saying it's an easy choice because it might mean they have to walk away from their job or it might mean, you know, a lot of them rally together and say, no, we're not enforcing this. And then what are they going to do? Fire their entire police force? I mean, that would be hard to do. So I think there's, um, they're kind of under, and I mentioned this actually in my article a week or two ago about us being the solution that, for people to judge police officers right now on whether or not they're enforcing stuff based on following these authoritarian rules um, that are unconstitutional, if, if they're following the rules themselves and they're going into a store with a mask on or they're, you know, and then they're getting mad at a police officer for arresting someone for not having a mask, well, like, you know what I mean? You're not defying the rules either. So everyone has a choice to make and everyone at this point in the game, especially with the heat they're bringing on this contact tracing, people better start standing up to all of this or it's, it's, you know, we're not, we're not heading in a good direction with the contact tracing. I, I was just looking at, um, God, was it yesterday or the day before something came out on back over in Illinois the um, there it's like in the 50 million range they're putting out opening up for a contract bid on for 50 something million dollars 
you know, taxpayers paying now to be surveilled. And I realized this is happening in multiple states, but this one just hit yesterday or the day before. And they actually said in there that they're, they're going to hire hundreds of people to do this. They're anticipating getting this rolling. Um, gosh, I think they're doing phases. So I think they're going to have some people trained for August, some for September and so on. And in addition to the contact tracing and the phone calls, then they're going to make sure that people can isolate. And if they can't, if they live in a home in a situation where there's not enough bathrooms or bedrooms and areas to isolate, they will bring in social services to help those people find other accommodations. Open so, air quotes. So it, it's really... Uh, mm. Mm, it's hard. And then uh, jumping, jumping from that topic to something earlier in the week, which was on the other side of the race card... Um, a man called Jason Hayden, who was a Detroit man, who was arrested after video surfaced of him uh, pretty much beating up uh, an elderly person, a couple of elderly people, oh, in uh, yeah. the Westwood Nursing Home. And I, I wanted to get into this for a few reasons. One, because it's on the different, it's a, it's a black guy beating up a white man. shows you that, you know, you can find race in anything if you want to, or you can look at the individual, and right. which I think a lot of people need to start looking at. it. There, there is right. bad people out there. Yeah, it right? wasn't even the the thought of race didn't even cross my mind when I saw that video. Mm -mm. Um, it was just absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't continue watching it. I literally just a few seconds of it because of how awful it was to imagine this poor elderly man uh, being, you know, beaten up by, um, you know, a young a young man, whatever the race. When I first saw it, I, I immediately, as soon as I saw him hitting something, I scrolled down so that I couldn't see what he was hitting, and I thought it was a dog at first because I intentionally wasn't viewing the whole thing. I, I don't have the stomach for that stuff. And, and then later, I saw someone tweeting about a nursing home, and I'm like, oh, my God, he was beating up an old person. I just I can't watch stuff like that. It's so well, horrific. It was... There was there was a couple there was a couple of old because as soon as this hit as soon as this came to my attention I was straight on the chance I spend more chance more time on the chance than I normally do on Twitter but I, I was in the politically incorrect boards when this was happening and of course the add-ons went straight to work uh, because this is something that we do right we we like to uncover these sort of people this is what we say as our job and. We were on this thread all night, finding his Instagram pages, his YouTube accounts, and I was going through all of it. Um, his YouTube goes back a couple of years, and I, I, I watched nearly every video. He had about four videos of him abusing elderly people. Um, only two were shown on Twitter, but there was about four. Um, and the rest of his videos were just creepy. You could and, tell and who posts that? Who posts that and actually believes they're going to get away with it? It well, it's, it's, it's mentally really ill people. And he's, he's he's definitely mentally ill. He so is. In fact, I actually read. You know, even his father had come out after this was all exposed and said that he did have like a mental illness or disability. Not only that, but he was diagnosed with COVID nineteen and put in the nursing home. Uh, so, yeah, like he was but, not supposed to be in this facility, uh, but was placed in there because of his diagnosis. Uh, so, so it wasn't like he worked there and he yeah. was, he was. A no, that's, well, well, that's what we thought at first, but it turns out that he was a patient as well. Um, wow. But like he, he had other videos of like him in a park and there'd be girls walking past and he'd be so creepy to them. He just had like heaps of random things like that. Uh, there was other videos where he was running around spraying Lysol on the other patients there. Um, so those sort of videos didn't really make the the tw the Twitter thread, but there was plenty of evidence there to suggest that this, there's something wrong with this guy. And it's it's easy to tell, and you can feel these sort of videos if you just take the time to feel them. And I had a comment. I'm not going to name names, but I wanted to bring this up. Um, because this is something I've thought about for a while now. Um, so someone commented saying that the video is fake. 
right? Mm. There's nothing fake about these videos, okay? You can you can feel certain videos, right? Um, what I want to address with that is you have to be careful how far you go down the rabbit hole, and I've seen that a lot. I mean, there, there's there's so many people where everything is a conspiracy to them, and it's not. Sometimes right, they think everything is a false flag and that no events are actually happening or or the opposite. They think all these things are happening when there's not a shred of evidence or proof. It, exactly, and it's something that's been playing on my mind for a while. And I, I caution everybody because I've been there. I've been down some really, really deep rabbit holes and rabbit holes that have led nowhere. They have led absolutely complete waste of time with no agenda behind it and for no reason for me to go down there, right? And there's a lot of these things out there. And I, I just push caution to people. Be careful how far you go down the rabbit hole and how far you're going to lose touch with reality. Right, right. and there's distractions. And it's an energy sucker and time sucker when you should be focusing on more important things like yourself and your life and your family, <laughs> A hundred percent. And look, everyone's entitled to those sort of opinions. You can think that if you want, you can go down there if you want. But just from my personal experience, it's not beneficial. Go, go. I was going to say, you know, it makes me think of the article I did, gosh, I don't know, a month or so ago about digging, about, about compartmentalizing fact from plausibility from complete hogwash and like learning how to compartmentalize and categorize all of that when you're sifting through information because we have so much information coming at us and it's speeding up by the week. Good point. And I was going to actually add on to that and just say really using discernment in each and every scenario is the best um, key to to deciphering between all of the information that we're that we're getting every day and really not placing a blanket uh, analysis on every scenario like if one thing is a false flag or if one thing is a conspiracy that means everything is rather than that just taking each and every scenario and analyzing it collecting the facts and the data and using discernment going with your gut uh, a lot of times, but yeah, a lot of people make assumptions and jump to conclusions. Yeah. It's great. More cognitive dissonance for everyone else. Right. And I was going to go back to this whole nursing home story. Um, If anything good comes from this, it has raised awareness at abuses, not just this particular incident, but other instances of abuses in nursing homes, which does actually happen quite frequently. And some other videos emerged as well of uh, employees abusing um, elderly in nursing homes. So if anything, it's just brought some light to this, and it is definitely an issue that uh, really doesn't have a lot of advocacy. And so uh, hopefully that will kind of spark some some people to pay more attention to this and uh, address this issue because it's definitely a disgusting, despicable uh, thing that occurs not just you know with this one incident, but uh, on a regular yeah. basis. It, it makes me wonder, just from a psychological standpoint, these people that do abuse people in nursing homes, I wonder if prior to going into that position, if they were, you know, decent, compassionate people, if they went into it and if it became traumatic over time with the loss, seeing these people die, somehow they emotionally detached, like a switch went off and they just see these people as well, they're elderly and they're about to die and I don't want to get too close. I don't know. Just from a psychological standpoint, like what would possibly cause a person to abuse an old person, you know? I think that whenever there's any kind of medical care without um, the advocacy of, say, family members or um, others, some kind of oversight, a lot of negligence occurs, a lot of... um, you know, oh yeah, fraud and 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 
theft of these people who really don't have uh, anybody watching out for their finances and a lot of physical abuse occurs because there is no oversight in a lot of these instances. And that's what we were worried about in the case of COVID-19 patients who weren't able to have family members in the hospital with them. Right. Um, you know, checking in, making sure that the these things are, you know, being handled correctly. So same thing goes for these poor old folks in nursing homes who don't have family members watching over them. Uh, a lot of abuse can occur if there's no oversight. Right. I, 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 I think abuse, not all of it, of course, but the majority of it stems from power over another individual, whether it's abuse of children, um, sexual abuse, abuse of the elderly, I think it got boils down to the other individual that is um, perpetrating these crimes likes to have power over another individual, and I think that's where a lot of it stems from. Yeah. Yeah. And the same could go for these dirty cops who put a bad name on the rest of the police officers who I support, who we all support. But, you know, you have one in a hundred or one in a thousand who does something terrible like what happened uh, to George. And, um, you know, it just ruins the name for the rest of them. But it is a power grab, a power uh, hungry sort of move, I would think, in a lot of these cases. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and circling back to that, uh, the four cops involved were fired. Um, as th that's what we know at the moment. Good. There, sh there, there should be. A full investigation and oh, that yeah. cop go to jail for murder. There's no two. There's no two ways about it. You, you need to lock this guy up. Um, but then once again, we had the race baiting side of it. I mean, you had Ice Cube post today um, a photo of the cop and this other guy, who's not the same guy. They look similar, but they're not the same people. Uh, with a MAGA hat on, saying "Make whites great again." Uh, this is a completely false tweet. It's going viral, of course. It's got uh, 61,000 likes at the moment. Good Lord. Uh, and the other person in the photo is actually a professional troll by the name of Jonathan Lee, who's been on HuffPost. Um, he's protested Jews. He's, he, he's done things at Hillary Clinton's rally. Um, he's a professional troll. That's what he does. Um, right. So, And for someone, uh, someone with that sort of popularity to post something fake like that, to stir even more division. Um, and then on the other side, and we can start getting into the Trump censorship now, um, no fact checkers have come on this tweet and it's blowing up. Right. I was just going to say that. I was yeah. just going to say that. So, yeah, we could get into the um, talking about, this is a good segue for us to talk about, you know, the mail-in ballots and the, um, the potential for fraud there, and then also tangentially Trump tweeting about this and being censored by Twitter, which has sparked a whole new conversation about Twitter censorship, about their liability, um, about them no longer having the status of being a publisher, but rather more of an editor, which opens them up to liability and lawsuit. And Trump's... Uh, statements about how he's not going to let this slide. Governor Gavin Newsom, he had uh, created an executive order that's ordered to send mail-in ballots to every voter in the state of California. And this order it has no legal standing in California. It's actually against the law to do this. Judicial Watch and GOP groups are suing Newsom over this uncertainty constitutional mandate and we know in many states that voter rolls haven't been updated in years and los angeles alone judicial watch sued to have the county remove 1.6 million inactive voters and that's just in la think about the millions of inactive voters dead people illegals all of them getting these mail-in ballots. And the left wants us to think that this voter fraud thing is a rare thing, but it's, and that it's no big deal. But we already have reports of people receiving stacks of mail-in ballots uh, sent to, to, like, say, a single residence. And in West Virginia, a mail carrier was just charged with attempted election fraud for altering voters' party ballot requests. And then last week, we had a former Philadelphia judge who 
was convicted for voter fraud for 2014, 2015, and 2016. So voter fraud is rampant. The Democrats want to steal this election, obviously. And my question to you guys is, do you think that these lawsuits will stop the mail-in ballots? Do you think that, or do you think maybe that the the Dems are falling into a sort of trap where they're going to get caught red-handed? And then my next question is about this Trump tweet. He had tweeted about voter fraud and the Twitter and Twitter censored him, uh, basically providing some sort of like uh, fact checking link <laughs> at the bottom of his tweets <laughs> to which he replied that they weren't going to get away with it because now they're interfering with the election. So tell me your thoughts on all of these which things. Which is f- fact checking from WAPO and CNN. That's right. the sources for the fact checking. Well, listen, the Supreme Court ruled in Wisconsin, uh, which means this is going to carry, this will go into effect in all states. So uh, they had ruled in Wisconsin that they cannot count ballots that were not cast on election day or postmarked by election day. So whereas in the past, you know, they would wait until the votes came in and then all of a sudden we'd start to see, well, wait a minute, there's a holdup and they're still trying to count and days go by because they're, they're trying to add to it. They're trying to increase it because now they know the number and they know, well, we need to get 2,000 more in here quickly to steal the election. Okay, they can't do that anymore. So now they have to try to guess what that spread's going to be and try to get it pre-stuffed. And then on top of that, so so that makes the game really tricky for them. On top of that, we're already seeing, like you just listed off Edge, you mentioned um, some cases where they've already busted voter fraud. And Kaylee, the new press secretary, who's freaking on fire, I loved that she gave the uh, press homework. Uh, what was that, like a week ago? <laughs> a few days. Oh, that was so fantastic. <laughs> I love her. She's, she's a little man. spitfire, man. Yeah, she I, just love her. I, so I, I, I do have a bit of a crush on her. <laughs> she did a little thread on this and she said, you know, after that happened, went down with um, Twitter on Trump's tweet. She said, get the facts about mail-in ballots. And she's talking about, she says, you know, in Nevada, excess ballots sent to inactive voters piled up in Las Vegas trash cans. And she said, according to the Review Journal, there's been an influx of absentee ballots that were no good. A 36-year veteran carrier with USPS said recipients all moved or died. She kept 65 ballots from just her first delivery day. So, and then she gets into, you know, South Carolina, um, reported reported that Maryland ballots from South Carolina turned up in Maryland. Even more voters in Greenville County received wrong absentee ballots in the mail. So my point is, it's in the news, it's getting exposed. And the one you talked about last week, I mean, that's a press release straight out of the Department of Justice on the Philadelphia um, security guilty plea of an elections judge who admitted to accepting bribes for ballots. So so we're seeing a crackdown on it. Um, we're seeing it being exposed more. And we're seeing that we already had this Supreme Court ruling where they can't try and pull this crap after election day to start stuffing. And now we've got this deal with Newsom. And I know that's happening. I think that's happening in some other states too, where they're starting to mail them out. I, I do think that that is going to end up going up the ladder and they're going to, something will be done about it. I think that, look, it's important everyone goes out and vote, but I'm telling you right now, I really, really believe just, just by observing the level of censorship. Okay. So this is my gauge. You look at Trump's tweets and I've talked about this in the past. You can watch in real time. Those numbers go up, 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 and then Twitter flips them down. Okay, and that happens on my stuff all the time too. And you look at the way they censor and you look at the way they lie about polls and you look at what happened in 2016, how they said Hillary was going to win. The fact of the matter is we have the numbers by a landslide. So if we're forced to do mail-in ballots, which I don't believe we will be, um, look at what just happened in California. First time in 22 years, flipped it red. And most of that, I believe, was through the mail-in ballots. I'm not overly concerned about this. I think that 
that it's going to, we're going to work through this and it's going to continue to be exposed. And by the time November rolls around, people are going to be standing in line. Let's hope not six feet distance to vote in person. So I think that, you know, um, if you can vote in person, do it. Absolutely. We need to show up in person uh, unless it's absolutely necessary. I mean, we do have, um, you know, mail-in ballots every election, but it's a small portion, you know, and it's basically for the military and people who just cannot make it physically. If you can make it physically to a voting booth, do so. Um, and, you know, we do need to not be complacent. We all need to get out the vote, but you're right. I mean, we have the numbers. We have the momentum. Just going to that small little mountain town over the Memorial Day weekend and seeing the Trump supporters out there in full force and, you know, just showing, representing, you know, waving Trump flags and, you know, also, like you had mentioned, raising awareness of the voter fraud early. I mean, it's end of May, early June, and we're already talking about this. Election's not until November. Right. So more that we can saturate the, the um, conversations with this, you know, this awareness of voter fraud and what they're attempting to do with these mail-in ballots, the better off we are. And yeah. um, you're right. I think that everybody is aware of this. They're on high alert for this. Their social media is working in our favor. People are posting, you know, pictures and reports, personal reports of receiving multiple mail-in ballots and this, that, and the other. And the more that we do it and expose it, the better off we are. Because I do think that they are they are aware of this. They're going to really, really uh, he heavily, you know, go after this, prosecute people who right. are committing voter fraud um, i still don't believe you don't have voter id that's ridiculous that, I that know. still blows my mind it, a it, first world country not having that well you know why oh it's i know exactly why <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh, i'm under no illusion of why <laughs> none of us are we know their game it's just a matter of how we're going to be able to um to beat them at their game and, you know, as far as the Twitter thing goes, so here's my theory on that. So they're now going to start putting their little links and their little blurb in blue saying, you know, get the facts on this because they're suggesting that whoever just tweeted that, in this case, we're talking about Trump, that that's incorrect, you know. So my theory on that is those that are so strongly against Trump that have been so I'm not saying everyone against Trump is brainwashed. I'm just saying there's, there's the extreme far left. Okay. They're cheering this on. That's never going to change anyways. So that is what it is. Um, whether this was added, this feature was added or not, that's not going to change for those that may be on the, on the fence. I think they're going to see this as, oh my God, this is just another way of trying to control the narrative and censorship. This is getting really crazy. And I think that's going to open people's eyes. Um, so I don't think that's going to be a win in their favor. I think that's going to work against them. I agree. I, I, I just really hope because you guys, you guys know how, a critical I am of this because I've voiced it before when it comes to internet censorship and Trump. Um, I think he, he should have done a lot more and can have done, can do a lot more to protect us and to protect conservatives. So th th that's one thing I'm really, um, I, I, I don't like about what he's done so far. Uh, hopefully this spurs him to actually do something. Hopefully he actually will do something regarding this topic because it needs to be done. Yeah. And the fact that he stated, you know, they are now interfering in a presidential election. That's, that could be just what we needed to happen in order exactly. to stop. Yeah. And I think that, and the, here's a theory of mine. Um, tell me what you guys think. I think that he's actually been baiting them to do this um, so that he, that we can make a move legally with Twitter interfering on the election. And then on Wednesday, Trump announced that he would be signing an executive order on Thursday 
to address the social media censorship. What do you guys think? Do you think he was baiting them to do that? Quite possibly. He's very good at baiting. Very good. He's the master baiter. <laughs> didn't sound right. We're going to cut that. <laughs> but, um, dumb, no, we're not. No, we're not. That was great. He's learning to rephrase that. That, that, that was brilliant. Dating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well we played. love you, Mr. President. <laughs> that was that funny. Left my mouth. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're not cutting that. Um, we're not, we're not cutting any of this. Um, I, that's actually a good thought though, Edge. It's actually a good observation. Yeah. I mean, he's the master troll. I'll put it that way. He's the master <laughs> troll. And I, I do think that everything is kind of thought out and calculated. Even these things that the press, you know, bites on every time, like the stuff with Joe Scarborough. I feel like this is all part of his game. He's, he's baiting them. He's goading them because he's trying to direct them in a certain way or he's trying to distract them in a certain way. Like, look what I'm doing over here, not what I'm doing over here. Right. And so I feel like this might have been another one of those instances where now we can claim, okay, we have real proof here that Twitter's interfering in an election, and there can be some legal implications to that. We'll have to wait and see what happens, but that's, that's a theory of mine, so we'll see. So what should we roll it into? You guys want to talk about the, uh, the, the changes and the, the shakeups and the things happening in DNI? Sure. Sure. All right. So this week, Grinnell, Richard Grinnell, he left his position as the acting DNI, and then Ratcliffe was sworn in as the director of Nas national intelligence. But before Grinnell left, he declassified another trove of documents related to the Russia probe. And we haven't seen these documents yet because he left it up to the incoming DNI, Ratcliffe, to decide if those go public or not. But from what we've heard, these uh, documents include the Flynn Kislyak call transcript, but a lot more than that. And some of these documents are expected to be significant as far as understanding how intelligence was manipulated to support launching the Russia investigation. So one of the uh, White House correspondents, uh, Ed Henry, he was having a conversation with Tucker Carlson the other night. And he said that his sources are telling him that these batches of these declassified documents could be particularly problematic for John Brennan because he received intel early on during the 2016 election time that Russia was actually preferring Hillary as a candidate, not Trump. But he purposely excluded that information from the intelligence assessment because it didn't go along with the narrative to support the Russia probe. So I'm wondering if this is going to be part of the trove of documents that Grinnell has declassified. And I'm also wondering if Ratcliffe is going to make these documents public. It seems to me that's the, the momentum that, that we're heading towards. It makes sense to me that they will go public. Trump said earlier this week in a press conference that he will make public whatever they ask him to make public, that he wants to see these things too go public. So what do you guys think? Do you think these, thing, these documents are going to go public? Do you, what do you guys think about Grinnell's performance? And what do you think about Ratcliffe coming in? I think Grinnell's fantastic. Ratcliffe is fantastic. And we're going to start to see a lot of stuff declassified and rolled out over the next several weeks. I think there's, there's serious momentum going here. And, and it's going to keep on, keep on keeping on. Yeah, I love seeing those sort of people in, in those sort of positions. I mean, they're actually people that are getting stuff done, just like Barr. You know, it's good to have people that are actually doing their job instead of having these people that talk a lot about it and spin shit, such as Ray. I've got a deep hatred for Ray. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're I, alone in that. I do not yeah. like him. Um, I'm, but, not, yeah, I'm not too it, much it, of a fan of Graham either. Um, no, because he's just—he's just—he's old guard. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of talk, no action. Absolutely no action. Yeah, so we'll see where that goes with him. Um, 
I know that there are some subpoenas that have gone out, but we'll, we'll see what rolls out with that. So what's going on with, um, I know you pay close attention to what's going on in Hong Kong. I, I saw a couple videos. Uh, I saw one actually where they were, there were a lot of them out there and they were actually pussy, pushing the police back. But right. then, but then now there's like rubber bullets flying at people. So what's going on over there? Let me set it up and then I'm going to ask you, Speaker, because I know that you do follow this stuff closely. I um, haven't to give, a week, so okay, you put me to, on the spot. But yeah, send it. <laughs> just give your, your input on it. So sure. pr- protests in Hong Kong have been kicking up again, and we've seen some incredible footage that you just mentioned, Corey, of the p- people standing up to these riot police, uh, such as the one last week that you talked about. And then there was last week also a scuffle among Hong Kong lawmakers and pro-Beijing lawmakers over the control of this key legislative committee that's attempting to pass a bill that's like a national security law in Hong Kong. And the news just broke on Wednesday that this national security bill did pass. This is going to give China more ability to crack down on these protests in Hong Kong. Because of this, the protests are ramping up even more, and consequently, the response with military police and riot gear that we keep seeing on video, that's been ramping up even more. And so my questions, Speaker, are, first of all, um, do you remember, like, before the coronavirus hit, how wild the, the Hong Kong protests were going? I think we all remember, remember that. Do you think it's possible that the, one of the motives for the coronavirus being released was to quell those Hong Kong protests? And if so, what do you think is going to happen next now that, uh, you know, these, these protests are happening again? Um, it's, I've, I've heard that theory going around. I can't say 100%. Um, it is a possibility, like any of those things, are a possibility, um, because it, it definitely shut down those protests right away. Um, um, it, it was a, a lot of international attention was on that, that event. Um, you had American lawmakers stepping up, commenting about it. You had world uh, rights organizations jumping on the Hong Kong um, side. Uh, but then that kind of died down after Corona, and they've come back, and they've come back with this new national security law bill. Um, it's I, I said at the start, even when these protests started in Hong Kong, that this was not going to end well for Hong Kong um, because they're up against the CCP. It's 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 not like a small country trying to vie for some rights. They're up against a communist regime. And Xi Jinping will get what he wants out of Hong Kong. I, I, don't, I hate to say it that way, but it looks like that's going to be the case. Unless some big international attention once again gets back on it, I, I don't think it's looking good for Hong Kong. I yeah. hate to be a downer on the situation, but that's just well, uh, when you have the, the reality C- that I'm saying. Right. And when you have them, you know, infiltrating in like the legislative side of things um, and uh, circumventing um, the law in order to be able to, you know, enforce whatever kind of laws they want in Hong Kong, you can see it's just, you know, all everything's tilted in their favor, in China's favor. And um, it really is just this David and Goliath scenario. Of course, I always have hope for, for Hong Kong. And, you know, as, as much as we can keep a spotlight on it and support them. But like you said, it, it, you know, it's, it's not looking good. It's a tough scenario for these guys. Yeah, so yeah. That, that, that law really establishes special branches of the Central People's uh, Government in China and to oversee national security in Hong Kong, and that was never part of the basic laws of Hong Kong. It, it was never part of, of, of the deal that they had with the British before they signed it over. I remember that bill was supposed to last until 2025. Uh, 2035, I think. It, it's one of the two. I can't remember off the top of my head. But Xi Jinping's just gone for the throat now. He really wants Hong Kong. Um, and 
See, Hong Kong's not going to be like it was. Like, I, I loved Hong Kong. I loved Hong Kong under British rule. And a lot of Hong Kong people loved Hong Kong under British rule. It's, it's, it's funny how these countries can go either way. Um, well, Hong I, Kong was kind of like this bastion of freedom in a sea of communism. And when, when the world on the national, on the international stage where you see these, these protests of people rising up for personal freedom, the CCP can't handle that. They can't because they have to, they have to quell it because they cannot make, maintain control in other regions with other, you know, upticks and, 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 you know, protests and so forth i think that's where their their logic is it's not just about hong kong it's about suppressing any other intentions for protests elsewhere don't you think yep uh well 100 well we've seen the same thing with nepal um going back 30 40 years now when they overtook nepal um and this is this is the same thing just on the same scale they're just trying to claim it and 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 they will. Uh, I, I hope they don't. I hope that someone steps in here because I really would like to have hope for the Hong Kong people because Hong Kong was one of my favourite places. I used to love love going to Hong Kong. Um, and generally, that was because it's a capitalistic society. In in the sea of communism, like you said, they have a different way of thinking. They have a different way of going about their lives, and that's all going to change as soon as. China gets their full full grasp of it. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> let me roll into, because we have like about seven minutes left here. Let me roll into some of the stuff that I've been working on. And then I think we had a question um, that Ed was going to answer. So yeah. a couple of things I just wanted to mention. I don't know if anyone saw uh, Cheryl Atkinson's interview with Trump. It was great. It was pretty short. I think it was only about 25 minutes, but it was great. Um, in that interview, he stated, I'm fighting the deep state and exposing the swamp. If it keeps going the way it's going, I have a chance to break the deep state. It's a vicious group of people. And that just made me smile when I heard that. So for anyone who hasn't watched that interview yet, I love Cheryl Atkinson. She's fantastic. She is. And that quote will go down in history. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have think, a chance honestly. To the deep state. Yeah. So I've been working on, um, so last week, I think it released the day we released our podcast. For anyone who hasn't read it yet, the, uh, the Gates of Hell which is basically a summary and compilation of all the reports I've done on Bill Gates, because a lot of people are starting to look into him and question whether he really is a philanthropist and humanitarian or what he's really all about. So I've covered so much on him. I thought I'll put it all together in one article. So there's like a reference point with the links to all my reports. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. And then, um, and then I just released an article called Welcome to a World of Smoke and Mirrors, which was written by the wonderful James Fitzgerald. So that's, that's a nice short read article. Uh, I have one coming out that uh, I'm writing that's coming out this weekend, uh, a short article by me. And I've been working on an intensive report that some connections I found a few weeks back that I wanted to come back around to. So I've been working on that over the past week and um, hoping to get something out on that next week. Um, it's, it's a combination. It's quite complex. That's why it's taking me a while because I'm tying together a string of executive orders and bills that haven't been talked about a lot. And I have my eyes on three cats that no one's really paying attention to and there are connections to China. There's, um, there's, there's a lot of connections in here. It's, it's, it's quite a modgepodge of dynamics going on. And it all ties in to these EOs and bills. So it's, it's quite interesting. Um, so I'm working on that. And I, 
I mean, it does seem what, like there's like a silent war going on between uh, the U.S. and China right now, uh, uh, vying for for the being the world power. Does it not? Oh yeah, absolutely. And you can see it if you're paying attention. Um, you know, there's not like we've said before, not bombs being dropped, but at the same time, it's a it's a power struggle happening on the international stage. Oh yeah, and, and, yeah, and but don't don't cut Europe out of that as well. Europe as a whole, European Union are trying to vie for power as well. So you can you can look at those as three entities. Yeah, and the report that I'm working on is it's it's quite fascinating actually because it's going to sort of first off it's going to pull focus to an area that not many people are talking about, which is a, one of the biggest power struggles with. Um, China right now, believe it or not. And um, there's a series of events. I've had to go, <laughs> I've had to do a lot of D. I have like 50 pages of notes on this already. So it's taking me a bit to break this all down and to figure out the best way. I may end up having to do like a couple of graphic diagrams just so that, you know, because like I'm a visual person. So for me, I love seeing the diagrams and stuff. So I can look at that and then I can also read the information and I can put it in bullet points for short summary so that, you know, there's those that prefer to listen. I'll probably end up having to do a video on this or maybe we'll talk about it in next week's podcast. Um, but it's, it's pretty intense. A uh, lot of information in there. And then I also wanted to mention, I don't know if you guys saw this, but it was fantastic. There was a reporter from, um, MSNBC that was in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Did you guys see that one? It was great. Um, I'm not sure which one. He was so he was standing outside and he's around the lake and all these people are walking by and no one's wearing a mask and there's oh, yeah and he's he's going on and on he of course he has his mask on and he's going on and on about this and how I don't know just you know and people aren't people just aren't wearing masks I I don't know and. And then a guy walks by right then and says, including your cameraman. And, <laughs> and so he had to, what could he do? He was live. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, including my cameraman. And he goes, and half your crew. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was great. It was great because, you know, as soon as they cut the feed and they were done with that, the guy probably took his mask off. Of I mean, course. I don't know. I'd be guessing, but. It They've was, been caught on in several instances doing that, wearing the masks on camera oh, yeah, and then yeah. in, in the you gotta, presidential uh, press conferences. You got to wonder, the, the cameraman, like what is going through their heads going, oh my God, I can't believe I have to sit and film this bullshit right now. He's going to take his mask off as soon as we're done with this. I just, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, would, I wouldn't, obviously I wouldn't be able to do a job like that because I'd be like, that's a lie. I know. <laughs> I know. That? Right. Oh, my goodness. So um, I wanted to talk about that. Go back to that Gates of Hell article that you did where you pulled together all those reports. I found that so helpful. It gave everybody the big picture. And I didn't want to ask you, um, you know, because I've always kind of wondered this in the back of my mind. I wanted to get your thoughts on Gates. You know, we know he's a funder, among other things, but you also mentioned in that article that some people kind of see him as just a figurehead. And my question is that, do you believe that Gates was actually groomed from like a young age to be in this position and even like handed on a silver platter, this Microsoft business, this bill these billions of dollars in order to carry out that agenda? 100%. Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought too. Yeah, he grew up with eugenesis. I mean, he was he was pretty young when he was hanging with the Rockefellers. Uh, you know, his parents' background, which I have in my reports, and dad was head of Planned Parenthood, and and uh, his mom worked with, gosh, I think it was United Way, was it? And there were a couple other things in there. Gosh, I did that one a long time ago. So. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Raised with this entire mindset, connected in. I've, I've never bought into the whole Microsoft story. And the mere fact that he operates as the central bank, I'm not kidding. You can pull up any research lab, any university, governments, um, he, media, he funds it all. Right. It's, it's insane. 
Um, I was just, I was look, trying to look up something last night for something else I was looking into and came across this um, funding to the guardian.org that just happened in February. And I'm like, is this the guardian as in the news outlet, the guardian or so I type in guardian.org. Oh no, this is their own media source they've created that brings together alternative news sources and journalists and reporters from all over. So they can push help work together to push their narrative. And then you look at the partners and of course you got George Soros and the Gates foundation and a bunch of others. And you look at the, um, funders where they are thanking all of these people. And it's like, wow, here it is. This is the list with everyone who has everything to lose that are all pooling their money and trying to yet find another way because what's happening is they're seeing that WAPO, New York Times, uh, Wall Street Journal, not as much as the others, but, and um, some of the, you know, Santa and MSWC, these bigger media outlets are taking a beating. And so what do they do? They got to make sure that they get in with all alternative media sources and other smaller media sources to make sure they can control the narrative through that outlet. So it's just, it's never ending. And he is the <laughs> central bank to it all. And 100% he was groomed for this since he came out of the womb. These people are patient with their agendas. They'll take, <sighs> you know, they'll, they'll take generations to carry it out. Oh, they'll oh, take yeah. two, three, four hundred years to carry it out. They don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sickening. And you think you're going to break this up in four years? No. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to take time to break this up. It's gonna it take is going to take time. And I think that, um, look, you know, I've, I've, this is something where people will hate on me for this, but here's the reality of it. Boo! Uh, sorry. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> Bill Gates, you know, I sit and I look at his different organizations and I look where they're headquartered and I say, well, okay, so, so Trump's investigating, you know, how he can better use the six billion a year going to PEPFAR. Great. Is it, are we going to go down the rabbit hole of the global fund and Bill Gates? And of course, investigating the who as well is also going to lead us to Bill Gates. But the global fund is in Geneva and the global fund has numerous immunities. So the reality is you can't really, other than cutting off their funding, that's kind of where that part, that one would, would end. And then you look at his other organizations and, you know, everyone wants them to go down for crimes against humanity because of the vaccines. But the reality is, think of how catastrophic that would be if you were to inform the world, and I mean the world, that they have not used safety measures, that vaccines do in fact cause autism, paralysis, all these other things. We know there's 4.1 billion in death and injury claims already to date. So imagine telling the world, okay, yep, these, these vaccines are terrible. They're causing terrible things to your children. Oh, sorry, you already gave your children all of these 10 years ago. Don't worry about it. Don't panic. Don't have anxiety. Don't feel shame or guilt or responsible. You know, don't worry. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? It would be I see what you're saying. Graphic. Yes. It would be a collapse. Due to the minds of parents. It's bad enough for those of us who are already, already woke to this, you know, aware right. of this, who've done the research. Um, but I, I just, so. I think that it has to be a slow trickle of disclosure if you're going to, if you're going to expose this stuff, because like you said, it would be like a collapse of the entire well, health, global healthcare system, you it, know. It would be a, you push them out, you stop the funding, um, you don't, you know, you create a, a new way. Okay. First off, I think they should do away with the majority of the vaccines they are doing that aren't necessary. But for those that they do feel are still necessary, create a whole new safety measure and way of doing those and get rid of the nefarious, just as we're trying to now disconnect from pharmaceuticals coming from China. It's like that. We're, so we set up a whole new structure system around this in the healthcare industry and you completely push this evil man out altogether. Now that doesn't mean he's not going to be able to still carry out his agendas in other countries because he's all over primarily uh, South Asia and um, Africa. or South Africa and Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. 
but as far as taking him down and throwing him in prison, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I mean, maybe there's an angle there, but he could certainly be pushed out. So that's yeah, what I meant with that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that he's gotten some sort of like liability clauses or some sort of waivers with all of his vaccines that he's pushed now. I've heard about that. Well, yeah. So the government took over liability of that back in uh, the late 80s. So uh, anytime, you know, with these adverse event reports and anytime there is an injury and death claim, it's handled behind closed doors through the government. And the taxpayer dollars are paying for that. So the vaccine companies aren't held accountable. These people are smart. Okay, when they devised all of these plans around the healthcare industry and NGOs and getting grants and nonprofits and all immunities and 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 not being held, you know, liable, these people are smart. They structured it brilliantly. So a new structure needs to be put in place. And they need to be pushed out. But as far as prison goes, I don't know. Hopefully, I'm crossing my fingers, but I don't think it's going to be for vaccines. That's for sure. We live in a just world. We can <laughs> help at least. <laughs> so you guys want to close out with this, this question from a Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So All right. CLT um, had, had submitted a question to us on Twitter. Actually, there were three questions. I'm going to address a couple of them because they're pretty long-winded answers. <laughs> but she had asked, um, what happened with Feinstein's Chinese spy? And what are the financial ties of politicians and media to China? So I wanted to kind of go over some, some points on that. Um, you know, it's too many to list here on the podcast. It would take the full hour, but I can direct people to some places to start looking. Um, you know, Peter Schweitzer, he's a journalist and an author who's written some books. He wrote a New York Times bestseller, Clinton Cash. He also wrote Secret Empires, how the American politician class, sorry, the American political class hides corruption and enriches family and friends. And in that book, it exposed a lot of these financial ties of corrupt politicians to not just China, but other countries as well. It named specifics, you know, the Clintons, Obama, Biden, Kerry, even Mitch McConnell, and many others who uh, enriched themselves to the tune of billions of dollars. So there's a good place to start if you want to check that out. But you know, if you read that book, you'll see and be so disgusted at the level of corruption in Washington, Washington D.C. by these politicians. Of course, we know about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden making the billion-dollar deal in China. We know about Feinstein's dealings in China and her Chinese spy intern. You know, her husband has made millions off deals with China. Meanwhile, she had that Chinese spy under her in play for like 20 years. And as far as I know, there hasn't been any real investigation into that. And with when the news broke about her Chinese spy employee, uh, Feinstein reportedly had him retire, to which I believe American taxpayers are paying for his retirement. And there were no charges brought. Yeah, there were no charges brought against him for espionage. But, you know, you've what? asked... Yeah, you fast forward, you know, to recent events, the coronavirus outbreak, and we have Feinstein suspected of insider trading after selling stocks following that coronavirus briefing <laughs> in the early days. And she was put under investigation along with Loeffler, Einhoff, and Burr. But apparently the DOJ has just dropped the investigation against Feinstein, Loeffler, and Einhoff. And currently Richard Burr is the only one under investigation for insider trading uh, following that coronavirus briefing. So there's that. But, you know, um, you know, going back to Mitch McConnell, he has, uh, you know, his wife, Elaine Chow, she has connections to China as well. You know, um, we had Pompeo come out, this was several months ago, but he talked about a list of governors that China kept um, that were friendly to China. And there's too many to name off, but we can flash, you know, a picture of that, that list on the screen. So uh, as far as the media goes, the same sort of thing. It's the same sort of nepotism. You know, one example is, you know, Paula Reed, whose husband is a lobbyist with big connections to China. 
Um, but, you know, it's safe to say, you know, if the president of the White House Correspondents Association, Jonathan Carl, is, you know, willing to sneak in a reporter, you know, from that that's representing an affiliate of a Chinese state-owned media into a White House press briefing, it's safe to say the media is also infiltrated, influenced, subverted by China, and not just China, but other outside influences as well. So, um, you got to do your digging because you're not going to find this on, you know, mainstream media outlets, but there's some good resources out there like that book I just mentioned to you. And I'm sure Corey that you've got lots of resources as far as the Clintons go and their, uh, affiliations and financial ties to, uh, other countries as well. So, oh yeah, sorry. I was trying to move my cat. He was about to knock my mic over. <laughs> <laughs> Just look into the Clinton Good Foundation. Answer. You'll see, you know, all of the ties that they have. Um, oh, yeah. And, and Clintons and Gates, both with pharmaceuticals and vaccines over in China. And, well, Gates invests in all kinds of stuff over in China. So he actually plays a little role in the report I'm working on, too, right now. It wasn't my intention, but everywhere I turn, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a question in that same, uh, that same comment from CLT about Sessions. We'll have to get to that another time. We've talked about Sessions before and different theories on him and that this sort of battle between him and, and Trump. We've talked about it in past podcasts. We'll have to address that another day, but I did want to talk about those China connections a little bit. Yeah. Long podcast, team. Yeah. All, All right. right. You ready to wrap it up? I think so. Let's wrap. All right. Well, thanks for listening to us here on Dig It with the speaker, myself, the Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Keep on keeping on.